This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Good morning to our guests. Hi, my name's Paul, a pastor and a teacher here. Thank you for being here. I agree with what Doug said. Last night's menu at our house was very simple. It's just supposed to be chicken wings. We don't order the chicken wings in, making chicken wings. I like to make, I'm pretty competent, I think, when it comes to preparing and making food, very excited uh, just to make simple chicken wings. Not gonna make this complicated. Uh, so I had, a, I, I had this dry brine that they had been in in the refrigerator. It already sounds complicated, doesn't it? Um, the, you wanna crisp the skin up a little bit? I don't like chicken wings with rubbery, flabby. No, no, I wanna crisp up that skin. So a little, little, just a little dry brine with some baking powder and like rice flour. You're like, this is already complicated. Uh, I made my own blue cheese dressing because that's how I roll. And that had been in the refrigerator just to dry them out a little bit and then two hours smoking on the smoker. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, this is going to be incredible. And so for three hours, almost three and a half hours, I am mentally in this space that this is going to be the most amazing thing I've ever eaten. And I was praying for you guys and going over the message and just in that. And then all of a sudden, the alarm on my phone went off because the phone talks to the smoker and the smoker talks to the phone. Ding, ding, ding. It's time. I'm like, yes, this is going to be so good. And so I go out and I bring the chicken wings in and I've got... Because, you know, last night was a big night, right? Right? Last night was a big night. Watching Les Mis. That's what I was watching. <laughs> Eating chicken wings. Because that's how I roll. Um, and so I've got Les Mis and Hugh Jackman. He's singing. And when you hear the people come. And I got my chicken wings. I got my homemade blue cheese. I eat. And I'm like, this is disgusting. <laughs> it tasted so bad. They were gross. I'm like, what happened? I'm like, I'm going through my mind. I did this right, and I did this right, and I did this right, and they cooked, they were cooked through. I'm like, this is just terrible. I mean, I had this giant vat of wings and ready blue cheese, and we're singing Les Miserables, and we're just gonna have this awesome moment. And I'm like, no, no. I put them in the refrigerator. 10 o'clock, my two teenage Tyrannosaurus Rexes came home. Um, and because this is what Tyrannosaurus Rexes will do, they're like, where are they? It's terrible being a pastor's kid. <laughs> I'm like, they're in the refrigerator, they're not very good. I'm like, whatever. And they're like, like two beasts going after this, this primeval f mound of flesh. They're like, this is so good. And they're just clawing and barking at each other and devouring. Dad, these wings are awesome. I can't believe these are so good. And I'm like, they're terrible. I can't, they're just, just disgusting. They're Whatever. I'm watching Hugh Jackman. I'm singing Les Miserables. There's nothing else on TV to watch, so. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. No, I don't. And all night, I can't figure out why didn't these wings taste any good? I'm going through, I'm going through everything I put together. I'm like, I'm running the whole baking powder, the dry rub, the sauce, two hours in the smoker, these should have been like heaven on a bone, right? Well, this morning I got up and I went through my normal morning, Sunday morning routine, prayer, study. I'm getting over the message. And I had a few things to clean up on the counter because I was so mentally, emotionally distraught over what had happened. And I reached over to grab the baking powder to put it away. And I grabbed it and it was baking soda. And some of you are like, so it says baking, and it looks like 
baking powder is not the same as baking soda. Baking powder includes baking soda, but baking powder, when you add it to something wet, a moisture, creates carbon dioxide, gas. That's how you're able to dry and crisp up the skin a little bit on chicken wings. This basically, because this is what I put on the chicken wings, okay, basically took a white slurry and put it all over my chicken wings. So when I bit into it, I was eating like cement or something. <laughs> Not all of us who know, ate the chicken wings noticed that. I'm like, but I thought I was doing this. And I was doing this. They look the same. Very similar containers. If you were to put them both, they're like very similar composition. You know, if I look at white powder, white powder, white powder. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is not the same as this. Reaching for this does not have the same effect as reaching for this. Using this does not have the same effect as using this. When we talk about what we're devoted to, it's very easy to think that because I'm doing this and it kind of looks like this, it'll have the same effect. It'll have the same result. And what we end up with is a mess on our hands, especially when it comes to fellowship. The early church was devoted to certain things. Things that were basic to them. Meaning everything turns because of that thing. Even things, just think back to the story that I told you. The story turned at one moment, right? When I said, I didn't use this, I used this instead. It's the basic turning point of the story. A military base out of which an army survives. A foundation of a building is basic to the support of the building. It's basic. If you're running the bases in sports, you have to get to these particular places so that you can win. Or cut off the team from getting to the bases so that you can win. Basic. For the early church, some things were basic to them. Meaning, Everything turns because of this. This is the priority. The first followers of Jesus were devoted to, well, why don't we look at it together? Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. This is where we were last week. We'll come back to it again. It's a snapshot of the early church. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We talked about that last week, right? The, they were devoted to Christ's likeness and so the study of Christ, having their minds renewed by prioritizing in their life rhythms the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, Breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Last week, we talked about the basic of study, how important it is to immerse your life rhythm in the study of Christ. Today, let's talk about getting back to the basics of fellowship what fellowship is. So let's ask God to help us because this matters. Our Heavenly Father, 
Blessed be the Lord God. Oh, my soul, may all that is within us bless your holy name this morning. We will not forget your benefits. You are the God that forgives our iniquities and heals our diseases. You are the God that lifts us up out of the pit. You are the one that crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, would you open our hearts and minds to the beautiful things that you have in your truth? Would you transform us because we have been faithful to your commands? Would you help us see how this matters? Some things don't, but this does. Would you call us to a place of confession and repentance for how we've treated the fellowship? May we see things fresh. In your name we pray. Amen. The word fellowship simply means a group of people gathered under common purpose. That's all. It's a bunch of people that have a common purpose. How many of you watched a football game last night? You're fine. It's safe. It's okay. How many of you did it with other people? Other people in the room. Cool. Okay, that's a fellowship. You were gathered together, same purpose. Group of people, same purpose. Let's cheer on uh, Ohio State. Let's cheer on, let's do that's a fellowship. How many of you like to go camping? Some of you, how many like to go camping? Sarah's like, no, don't like to go camping at all. <laughs> how many like to go camping with other people? Yeah, that's a fellowship. Let's gather together around the campfire. Let's, let's hang out and share stories. That's a fellowship. Group of people, common purpose, common purpose. When you go to work, that's a fellowship. We're there for common purpose. So it's not enough for us just to say that we're doing fellowship. It's what kind of fellowship are we doing? Because this is the fellowship that they were dedicated and devoted to. This fellowship must be something specific. Because anything could be a fellowship. This is kingdom fellowship. These are followers of Jesus Christ gathered together in common purpose. To follow Jesus, to be submissive to his commands, and to grow the kingdom. This is a kingdom fellowship where the, where the gospel is at, the, is at the center. So fellowships can be different in the same way that baking powder is not the same as baking soda and you don't get them mixed up and you can't swap them in and out. It's not just enough to say, yeah, I did fellowship. Hey, I know I didn't see you at church, but I was fellowshipping with the fish, you know, down at the pond. So that counts, right, pastor? Not the same. Not the same. Hey, I didn't do this, but I went and did this instead. You can't swap them in and out. Kingdom fellowship is different. It's unique. What we do here is centered around the purpose and the person of Jesus Christ. And so what's the nature of kingdom fellowship? Think of it like breeds of dogs. I used to have a Siberian Husky. Siberian Husky is different than other types of dogs, okay? If you own a Husky, this is life before kids. Before we had kids, my wife said, hey, let's get ready for kids. Let's go get ourselves a Husky. <laughs> and so we went to a dog breeder who specializes in Huskies. We got ourselves, the dog was all of two weeks old when we brought Monty home. Huskies are unique. You never let a Husky off of its lead, Okay? Why? Sucker's gone. They run. Why? Because this breed of dog loves to run and will just run. So that dog is always tied down to something because it wants to go. It's a pack dog. It always needs to know who's in charge. And if you're not in charge, that means he's in charge. Okay? Other breeds of dog are not like that. Get yourself a St. Bernard. It's not going to act like a Siberian Husky at all. In fact, if you treat a Siberian Husky the way you would treat a St. Bernard, no one's going to be happy. No one's going to be happy. What is it that's unique to the nature of kingdom fellowship? That it's different than when we get together to watch the game, when we get together to go to work. What's the nature of kingdom fellowship? Because 
How you treat Kingdom Fellowship is birthed out of how you view that nature. How I treat a Siberian husky is out of what that husky needs. And I don't want to treat it diff- I don't want to treat it like I would treat other types of dogs. Example, is the fellowship like a Sunday morning drive and a picnic? Is that what Kingdom Fellowship is like? Is that the nature of Kingdom Fellowship? It's a Sunday drive. It's nice out. It's comfortable. It's, 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 it's sitting on the grass and having a picnic. When I think of Kingdom Fellowship, it's like, it's like a Sunday drive and a picnic. Got a basket. Open up the basket. I got some cream cheese and some pepper jelly and crackers. And that's Kingdom Fellowship, right? If that's Kingdom Fellowship, then you know what you can do? You can take it or leave it. Because you know what? I just, I don't have time for a drive today. I don't have time for a picnic today. I have other things that need to happen. And kingdom, that's, that's a Sunday drive and it's a picnic. And that's just, that's not really pressing right now. Is Kingdom Fellowship a Sunday morning drive and a picnic? Or is it like this? Is it like this? Or is it like this? Or it's combat rescue behind enemy lines, under fire, that others may live. Because correct me if I'm wrong, you treat those differently, don't you? I mean, if we're talking Sunday morning drive and picnic, well, I got my basket and I got my cream cheese and I got my pepper jelly. And I got my crackers and it's going to be awesome. But if I were to show up for a combat rescue with that gear, they'd be like, what are you doing? I got cream cheese and I got pepper jelly and it's going to be so good. Like, you're not going. Because that's not what we're doing here. There must have been something in the early church that led them to conclude that this is not a Sunday morning drive. This is not a picnic. They were devoted to certain things. Why? Because this was survival. They needed to survive. The kingdom needed to move forward. There needed to be an advancement. So they're going to commit themselves to studying the words of Christ. And they're going to commit themselves to one another. Why? Because you can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. Why? Because Rome's looking for us and the Jews are looking for us. So we're going to meet in your house. Can we stay at your house? Because we can't stay in my house because my family completely disowned me. And we can get together. Yeah, I'll meet you at the temple. We'll meet here at the temple and we'll gather together because, hey, that apostle's gonna be teaching and let's do this together. We gotta stay together. Hey, have you seen so-and-so? I haven't seen so-and-so. Do you think that they got them? I don't know. Maybe they got them. I don't know. Because kingdom fellowship, it's a rescue mission. It's behind enemy lines. It's with this in mind that the Apostle Paul said these words in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Look carefully how you walk. Pay attention to direction. Not as an unwise person, but a wise person. A wise person discerning what needs to happen. How to get from A to B. Not being distracted, but being focused. 
making the best use of the time, prioritizing the time. We're going to do this instead of that. We're going to go here instead of there because the days are evil. Now, grammar matters. Grammar matters. So as you look at those two verses in Ephesians chapter 5, 15, and 16, the governing clause, the most important clause, is that last line, because the days are evil. Everything else submits to that. Because of, we're going to, how we walk, wise, unwise, making mistakes of time. Why? Why? Because this truth, the days are evil. Because the days are evil. We're going to look carefully how we walk. Not as unwise, but wise. We're going to make the best use of our time. Because the days are evil. That doesn't sound like a Sunday morning stroll and cream cheese with pepper jelly. That sounds like something completely different. It sounds like we should treat that a certain way. If that's true, what Paul says is true, then I need to choose intentionally. I need to be devoted to certain things and not devoted to other things. Kingdom fellowship must be something that other gatherings aren't. Like soda and baking powder. The bags in my house. We have a lot of bags in my house. We have a lot of bags in your house. I have soccer bags, I have picnic bags, I have gym bags, I have laundry bags, and I have my go bag, my purse, my man purse. You guys have all seen me with my purse, okay? I'm okay with that. I'm a big boy. And what's in that bag is different than what's in my son's soccer bags. And it has my journal in it, it has some pens in it, it has a book that I'm reading, it has resources that I need for the day. There's something that's resourced within kingdom fellowship that's unique to kingdom fellowship. That Jesus shares certain things in this space that don't happen in other spaces. It's what we call a means of grace. We've ever heard that phrase before, a means of grace. Some of you. The Lord's table is a means of grace. It's an appointed avenue through which God blesses his people. Gather at the table. I bless you there. Baptism as a means of grace. Be obedient to baptism. There's a blessing there. Something happens in fellowship. It's a means of grace. Jesus shares certain things. So let me give you seven things that Jesus shares. In your notes, kingdom fellowship is the basic way Jesus shares, in your notes, write that down, these seven things. And I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to pick up where I stopped sharing there. In verse 17, kingdom fellowship is basic. It's the basic way Jesus shares certain things. The first one is Jesus shares his values. Jesus shares his values. His values. Follow along with me in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Remember, we're going to look carefully how we walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Because the days are evil, therefore, what are we going to do? Well, we're not going to be foolish. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. To understand something in this context means I'm going to grab a hold of something that challenges me. I'm going to grasp a hard thing that's going to shift the way I do life. In this case, it's the will of the Lord. Will as in not don't do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. That's not what will is talking about. It's that which God delights in. That which God desires. It's what makes God smile. Know the things that God delights in. Your kingdom come, your will be done, is how we pray, right? We pray that. Oh, and then at the end, what do we say? And deliver us from 
evil. Why? Because the days are evil. What are the things that God delights in? What are the things that God desires? God delights in life. God loves to create life. He shares life. The beginning images of God is him coming into chaos to share life, to create life, systems where life can thrive. He loves life. All about the things that bring life. He delights in connection. He loves connecting with others. He delights when you set aside time to connect with him. He loves seeing it when his creation connects. And devotion. Devotion as we understood it this summer. Devotion as love. Being devoted to the other person. The needs of the other person. God is devotion. What do you need? How can I meet your needs? How can I put you ahead of myself? Some of the things that God delights in. When we gather together in kingdom fellowship, he shares these values with me because I'm constantly confronted to pursue what I value and I'm constantly tempted to pursue what the world values. And kingdom fellowship recalibrates that. In military parlance, it's what's called the commander's intent. Everything submits to what the commander intends to happen. What is Jesus' intent? Let's bring about life. Let's connect. Let's be devoted to each other. Values. Secondly, guardrails. One of the things that Jesus shares in Kingdom Fellowship is guardrails. Write down guardrails. I'm going to read you Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Just the first part. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Drunk with wine. It's distracting. It's numbing. It brings about things that are unwise and things that are foolish. And he already talked about that a lot, didn't he? He said, hey, don't be unwise. Don't do something that's foolish. Don't get drunk on wine. The nature of kingdom fellowship is that it gives me accountability. Where's right, where's wrong? Getting drunk on wine, just as an example, because the lists can be quite extensive depending on how discerning the group is and what should happen from an accountability perspective. Getting drunk on wine would undermine that. Could you imagine the go team's getting ready and there's a rescue that needs to happen and the pilot shows up and he's completely hammered? It calls for discernment. Well, pastor, this is why Christians shouldn't drink alcohol. I know, you've told me that. You've sent me emails. I know that. You've pulled me aside. You've told me that. I know how you feel about it. That's not what the Bible says. Well, I know that's not what the Bible says, but that's what the Bible means. No, you're wrong. That's not, we respect what the Bible says. Well, you didn't know my father. Correct. And for your father, he should not have drank an alcohol. You're right. But this says, don't be drunk on wine. And we're going to do what the Bible says, the way the Bible says to do it. Well, it's a whole lot easier if you just give us a list. Well, it, faith doesn't work that way. And that's why it requires community to discern what needs to happen. And guardrails have to be put up. Because what's the guardrail for? Helps you stay on the road, Right? And if you take the guardrail down, what happens? Bad stuff. Bad things happen. And within the course of community and kingdom fellowship, we were able to discern what needs to happen. As here is an example. Don't get drunk on wine. At least on foolishness. At least, at least on, wisdom, on wise choices. So we need some guardrails to be put up. After all, love does not rejoice in what is wrong, but love rejoices in the truth. We spent a whole summer studying that. Within the context of fellowship, guardrails. Now, a third thing, power. He shares power 
and community. He shares power. Don't be drunk on wine, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit, this ongoing, daily submissive submissiveness to the Holy Spirit that energizes and prepares us for ministry happens in the context of community. One person praying is not going to get as much done as three or four people in agreement praying together. It's not addition, it's multiplication. God values connection. If you look at the beginning of the church, what were they doing? They were praying together and the Spirit came upon them like tongues of fire. And so in Kingdom Fellowship, we hold each other to, to that reminder of walking in submission to the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit and being guided by the Spirit so that we can do the ministry. And rescue team ain't gonna go anywhere if there's no fuel in the tank. Church is not going to be able to do anything if it's not the Holy Spirit that's driving its ministries. That happens in the context of relationship. Evil works to isolate you. I can pick off a soldier really easy by himself, alone, walking across a field. Evil likes to get you alone and get you isolated. You can be defeated really easily when you're isolated. Uh, but you get followers of Jesus together. You get them singing together and praying together and crying out together and moving together. All oh, the Spirit will do amazing things. And evil doesn't have a chance. In Kingdom Fellowship, Jesus shares power. Power that changes lives. Jesus shares instruction. Write that down. Jesus shares instruction. Filled with the Spirit, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This goes along with what we talked about last week, but we need to understand what psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are. If you were to open up the Bible of the time, it's called the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament in Hebrew, and you were to go through the book of psalms, they would have headers on them. Some of them would be called a psalm, P-S-A-L-M. Some of them would be called hymns. Some of them would just be called songs. So when he says addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, he's like talk to one another. That's what he means to address. Talk to each other, saturated in Scripture. Your conversation, let it be drenched in God's words. Let it be saturated in what God says. It says not saying talk to each other in worship music. Lord, I lift your name on high. Open the eyes of my heart. How great thou art. Great is thy faithfulness. No, it's not what he's saying. Let your conversation be drenched in, saturated in God's word. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Let it govern the conversation. This is where fellowship can change into kingdom fellowship. Guys, listen, okay? You can go fishing. Some of you like to go fishing. Gals, you like to go fishing, right? Oh, you all want to go fishing. Go fishing. And it's fellowship. But if all of a sudden you begin to immerse the conversation in God's story, in God's word, in God's truth, now it's not fellowship. Now it's kingdom fellowship. You can be at work and it's just fellowship. Or you can immerse work in the lunchroom and, and the, the supply line, whatever it is that you're doing. You can immerse that in scripture and now it's kingdom fellowship. This is where fellowship can change and this is where fellowship transforms. Likewise, you can get a bunch of Christians together and it's not kingdom fellowship. Why? Because we're gonna talk about everything except what the Bible says except what God says. In kingdom fellowship, Jesus is sharing his instruction, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. All right, let's keep going. How many of you watched the, the Ohio State game last night? It's all right, you're fine. It's safe. You're okay. Deb holds up her glass. Cheers. All right. How many of you watched the marching band? 
What do they say? It's the greatest band in the land. I'll save that other word for another message. And it's an amazing marching band, isn't it? I mean, it's a, you, you just watch some recordings, you know, just go online and watch the Ohio State marching band. It's an amazing marching band. You can watch like their drills, just how they practice. They practice how they're going to come on the field. I mean, they have a dedicated ramp that's just for the Ohio State marching band, and it's intense, and it is highly regimented and highly focused and highly choreographed because they're going to do something very specific. And you're watching, and the whole, everyone's going nuts. I mean, everyone's excited to begin with, but man, when it's time for the band to come out, I mean, they're looking at the ramp, and they're kind of hanging over the ramp, and they're looking, and you can see the drum lines right there, and all of a sudden, they start, and they are drum line, they ain't done, no one's talking, no one's talking. And they're just walking out. Then all of a sudden, right, they're out. Right? And you can see the band. They're ready to come down the ramp. And they're just. And all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, here they come. And then shoots the phones. And they're peeling off. The trumpets are peeling off. Everyone's peeling off. And they're just this massive block. And everyone is just screaming their heads off because they are so excited. And then all of a sudden, out comes, and I'm going to do what the drum major does because he's like doing this high step and thing. I will die this morning to try to pull that off. And everyone erupts. What kind of music do they play? Do they play like the funeral dirges from New Orleans? You know, on the way to the funeral. No, what are they playing? Oh, it's upbeat and it's big. I don't know what the OSU fight song is. I don't. Maybe some of you probably know it. You're like, Ohio, OSU. You know it. Why? Because what are they creating? They're creating an environment. They're creating, write this down, joy. They're creating a context of excitement and anticipation. And God would see his fellowship filled with joy. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, but he goes on to say what? Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Music's powerful. Music is motivating. It's pregame. It's hype. Emotions matter. Now, is it all about the hype? No. Can you get addicted to the hype? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We could be all about hype and have nothing to do with Jesus. But emotions are an important part of encouraging one another and kingdom fellowship. Why? Because it's a war. And you got to be reminded that we win because people are going to die. And people are going to get lost. And people are going to lose their way. So we get together, we're going to sing, and we're going to make music. That means instruments. We're going to engage in music. Now, this is what I know. This is what I know. And I mean this with humility. But let me just put yourself in front of you for a second. If I recorded you last night watching the game, And I recorded you this morning singing about Jesus. And I put them next to each other. And I asked you, who's worshiping what? Why are you so excited about that? It's, 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 I think it's something that you can ask yourself, right? 
Dude, I get, I, I'm there, man. I mean, I wasn't watching the game. I was watching Les Miserables, man. I was, I was, me and Hugh Jackman, I was belting it out. I, I, was just, I was singing. I was grabbing a red, I was waving a towel all over, singing these, oh, you, you hear the people sing, singing a song of angry men. Like my, Lucas, he's there. We're singing. We're just belting it out. I, it's easy to engage. But the question is, why do we struggle when we gather in community to sing about the one who actually set us So he sang. I'm not good at singing. Who cares? Who cares? I belt it out. You know that. I don't care what you think. I'm singing for Jesus. And you don't even have to know the words, do you? Amen. 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 Amen, amen. And we sing and we make music in our hearts to Jesus because that's where we share joy. The martyrs going into the Colosseum, the martyrs heading to the fiery pyre, the martyrs heading to the lion's claws. You know what they were doing? They were singing. Why? because we're going to war. Life group leaders, think of ways that you can incorporate music into your gatherings. We need to sing. Another thing that he shares is perspective. A couple more, perspective. He shares perspective. Giving thanks always, verse 20, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks, perspective. Thanksgiving is when I connect my circumstances with the goodness of God. When I connect my circumstances with the goodness of God. That means it could be good circumstances, it could be bad circumstances, but I'm going to connect them back to God is good. And what arises within me is thanksgiving because now I have perspective. I have to fly above. The problem is when I am alone in the battle, it's really hard to see what's going on around me because I'm in the middle, I'm in the heat of it. And so I need others to hold me up and to lift me up, to help me see God is good. God is doing something. God is creating something. Jesus loved us. Jesus saved us. You're right. I can be thankful. I rise above it. I have perspective. Perspective is what Jesus shares when we gather in kingdom fellowship. I need you to help me fly high. I've called upon some of you sometimes. Help me see this. Help me see that. I'm in the middle of it. I, I, I don't understand. In kingdom fellowship, you lift me up. Perspective. The last one, support, support. This is in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Support, we meet one another's needs. Being devoted to the other is what we studied this summer. I'm gonna put your needs out of my own needs. I'm not even concerned about me. It's not about me. It's about how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I hold up what you're going through? How can I resource that? It's the gospel now with skin on. This isn't just words. It's hands and feet. How can I support you? Rooted in Christ, not rooted in who I am or rooted in who you are, but out of reverence for who Christ is and what he has done, how he has sacrificed for me, how he has been devoted and supports me. Now I can support you. So whether financially, let me help you financially. Whether it's time, let me give you some of my time. Whether it's gift, let me give you some of my gifts. Whatever I have, I want to support you. That happens in the context of Christian fellowship, kingdom fellowship. That begs the question, who's paying for this? Because this sounds expensive. This sounds like it's not cheap. Like Kingdom Fellowship has a cost associated with it. How do we pay for this? How do you subsidize this kind of program? Where there's guardrails and empowerment, instruction and joy and perspective and support. How, how do you pay for this? 
Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. This picture of the early church. Let me show you what they did. And maybe it'll give us some guidance. Pastor Paul, I'm all about all of this, but come on, man. Verse 44 and verse 45 of Acts chapter 2 says this. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. All right, now let me unpack this for you. We're not talking about some government-imposed economic system. This isn't capitalism, communism, socialism, whatever your favorite ism is. Okay? And I know I read Facebook. I know what you like. Okay? Okay, this is not any of that. That's government-imposed economic philosophy. This is something completely different. This is me out of the devotion to God and one another. They would sell what they had, not everything. This wasn't, hey, let's all pile everything in a big room and just grab what you need. No, they still had their houses because they're meeting in houses. What it probably was was ancestral land. Because that's what it talks about later in chapter four. Those who had land. This is land that was handed down generation upon generation upon generation. Like all the way back to when Moses and Joshua brought them. I said, all right, we're going to divide this up. They were selling that land and then they were using that resources to support whatever needs might rise up within the community. What does that mean for us? That means they exchanged one thing for another. What that means is they determined there was more value in this than out there. This was more valuable than what was out there. So they exchanged that to have this. Whatever it was. You can see it in how you allocate time. I'm going to spend time here in kingdom fellowship because it's of more value than time out there. That might mean creating fences to protect things. Right? A good gardener is going to put up a fence because it doesn't want the evil to come in to rob and plunder and pillage the harvest that's within, so it'll put a fence around it. Put a fence around kingdom fellowship. Other things don't get in it. Other things don't rape it and plunder it and pillage it. Because time invested here is more valuable than time invested there. This is of more value than that is. I'm going to protect it. More so, I'm going to build margin into time. I'm not going to completely strap out my calendar. I'm going to leave room so that I can be of usefulness and helpfulness and connect with others in fellowship. It was against the law in Old Testament Israel to harvest the entire crop. You had to leave the sides and the corners so that others could have access to it. You were not allowed to milk the land for all it was worth. You had to leave space for the pilgrim, the wayfarer, whoever might be passing by. It's okay to say no. Build margin into your calendar. Parents, help your children learn how to do this. You're teaching them. I don't know if you're teaching them correctly, but I promise you, you are teaching them. Teaching them that holiness is of more value than happiness, preferably. You know this because you know me. 
If my son were come up to me, one of my sons were coming, Dad, I don't want to go to church this morning. It doesn't make me happy. I'd be like, I don't care. Get in the car. I don't care. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if it makes you happy. Get your butt in the car. Well, I'm not happy. Well, we can talk about that on the way to church. Why? Because my sons are learning and will learn that holiness is of more value than happiness is. And in fact, when I give myself over to righteousness and holiness, there is a deeper joy that could ever be experienced than any happiness that the world will offer because I need to remind them that the times are evil. The times are evil. And sometimes things that make you happy take you away from the things that are holy. Teaching them that faith is of more value than the plastic trophy. Do they know that? Are you teaching them that? Becoming a trophy of God's grace matters more and is of greater value. Parents, you can teach them that. Well, I don't want them to hate church and hate Jesus. Well, you're not even giving them a taste. How would they know what they like and what they don't like? Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.